of that yesterday. Salvation now is the appointed time for all good things to happen to us. Thank you, Lord, for healing our friend Wanda. We thank you, Lord, that she was mindful to seek you as to how she was to receive her healing. And thank you, Lord, that you gave us the opportunity to play just a small part in that because you are the healer and you are the one we look to for everything. So we thank you, Lord, and we bless you and we praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Amen. So we're going to talk some today about the day of your visitation. Day of visitation of God. And um, I always like it when God steps in and, and helps and fulfills prophecy and fulfills promises. Uh, but you have to be, uh, you have to tread lightly and you have to be circumspect. And by that, I mean, you have to keep your eyes and ears open to what the Holy Spirit is saying and not the uh, whims and dictates of man. Uh, what we, we need to understand is that uh, Satan is the prince of the power of the air, which means that uh, the airwaves and, and uh, media, um, words, broadcasting, anything that comes across in a mass way, he is in charge of that, which means that it's easy for the devil to manipulate information and uh, kind of emphasize some, some things, de-emphasize others. He can withhold valuable and vital information, things that we need to know if we depend on what we call mass media, uh, we will be woefully misinformed. There is the other aspect of it too, in that uh, the enemy often puts a different degree of power on words that come to us. You know, now I don't know if it's just me, but I have noticed that you know, people, even though some people are angry about things, there is a, not just anger, say like for instance, if, if uh, I hear of somebody that unjustly uh, does something, say for instance, somebody robs somebody or somebody kidnaps somebody's child or something like that, I can get angry about that. But then there's an anger and, and there's like a... Um, a spirit, there's a biting and cutting and gnashing spirit that goes with anger sometimes. Um, it's kind of like a, a stabbing, a deep cutting. There's a hatred that's behind a lot of anger that's just spoken out. You know, if you see people out uh, discussing ideas or, or protesting things or something like that, there's an extra edge, an extra bite to their anger that makes it intimidating and overpowering somehow it's 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 set to destroy say for instance if we have a difference of ideas we can talk about those things i don't have to destroy you because we disagree with one another we just you know and that's how people get understanding and that's how we grow we grow through sharing ideas with one another. If you don't like my idea, you have something inside of you that judges the information that you get. And if it doesn't add up, you can put it on the shelf. You don't have to receive it. But you don't want to get rid of me because I don't believe like you believe. 
And so we see a lot of that now. And that's a new something that's been released in the atmosphere. It wasn't there like four and five years ago. And so as people get more adamant about their beliefs, they, they get stronger in it. And I believe the enemy adds to their arsenal of, of, uh, of, of power to oppose anything that comes near them. I remember years ago uh, I heard somebody make a comment uh, about radical Islam. And then I heard, I think it was Rosie O'Donnell, she said, well, they're no worse than radical Christians. And I'm thinking, where'd she get that from? And she's supposed to be Catholic. So there's something that doesn't add up there. There's something that doesn't make sense. There's, that's what's called spiritual wickedness. There's a wickedness on people's hearts, minds, and attitudes about what they believe that was never there before. What that does is it shuts down many avenues that we as Christians might take to share the truth of Christ's gospel with people, say like in an everyday conversation. Like you can go up to somebody in, in, in the supermarket and you can start just talking about the weather and then somehow the Holy Spirit will take over and put God into the conversation. You all know how that goes. And But there are some people that when God is mentioned, they're, you see, and they pounce. And that thing was never there before. That's all I'm saying. And so the Bible says uh, uh, as as the enemy gets closer to his day of being jailed up, he gets angrier and angrier. And so he starts to pour out and pour out, pour out more of his wickedness and more of his spirit to oppose what it is that God is trying to do in the earth. So we're going to talk today about the day of visitation because it's very important for us to understand what time we are living in and and not to just think it's business as usual. When I say business as usual, I mean the normal routine that most people take of, uh, you know, uh, doing everything that they do, you know, go to job, go to, you know, make plans for uh, expanding and doing more and getting married. And have, you Times people will be marrying, giving in marriage would be like the days of Noah. They just went about their business in a normal routine thinking the earth would be there forever. It's going to be like that again when the Lord returns. And so we're going to have to stay on our watch personally. I mean, it's good to make your plans and live your life, but don't, 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 don't get too attached to that. Don't get too much in love with that. That is your first love and your first obligation in life because you must stay attached to God. If you're going to make it through to the end, you know, the Bible says those who endure to the end will be saved. Endure what? Endure the Endure these days of visitation and make sure when God is moving, you know what he's doing and you're in a position to receive your portion of what he has. Because if you don't receive what God has for you first, you can forget the job, you can forget the career, you can forget the husband, the picket fence, the kids, the beans, greens, potatoes, tomatoes, whatever else you like. You can forget all of that 
if you don't understand that God is doing something in the earth and we as believers have to partake of it, participate in it, do your your fair portion, do your fair share, receive what God has for you, be open to receive what he has for you. Both pertaining to prophecy personally and pertaining to prophecy that has to do with world events and the changes in different things that's happening in the world. So the day of our visitation in Luke chapter 19, I'm going to read from the uh, NIV 44. Is, is, uh, Jesus is, uh, this is getting toward the end of Jesus' earthly ministry. And this was right after his triumphant entry into Jerusalem where they were exalting him as a king. You know, this is the thing that happens when God starts doing things. And that is the one that comes from heaven. And so if if it were me, I'd keep my ear glued to what heaven's saying. Keep your ear glued in your word. Keep your ear glued. You know, this is no time to quit coming to church. And to be active in, in what's going on. And this is really the time of the prophets releasing now words in the earth. Which, you know, uh, before Jesus came, it had been 400 years before a prophet had spoken to the nation of Israel. So, and it's the same way now. Like, there are some people who are, are ministers who don't believe in the ministry of the prophet. They don't think we have anything more important to say than they do. You know, we, you know, if somebody's going to prophesy, it's going to be me. That's why you don't. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, you don't call yourself and you don't get jealous and covet another office and you don't play it down. And so what we've endured in the body of Christ has been a great deal of persecution against the prophet's office. It hasn't been, it hasn't been so much known unless you, you are up close in it. But for a long time, people make fun of, you know, if, if prophets would say they were praying about different things and what was going on and all that kind of stuff, we got laughed at. Because people didn't believe all that was the, oh, it doesn't take all that. Yeah, maybe, maybe, yeah, people think they know something. And you know what I'm saying. And now we're living in a hell almost in this nation because we got laughed at a lot when we told people it was a time for war. And they thought it was a time to wait for a wealth transfer. I'm going to say that again. See, this is why people miss what God's doing. This is how you miss the day of visitation. Because you get caught up in these halfway spiritual, halfway carnal things. See, if you're looking, if you're expecting more money than you are expecting to make a difference and win souls. Because what, what do you think is more important to God? somebody's eternal soul or whether or not you get another zero most Christians don't even know if money is allergic to us a lot of us you know what I'm saying you try to get some extra money your dollar go to scratching mm. 
don't know if I want to jump in her bank account, man. She be bouncing you around. <laughs> Then we go into minus deficit column. I mean, you know, it's lonely in her bank account. I might be the only dollar sitting up there. You know, they scratch and keep moving. Why? Because we don't know how to really prosper in God and allow God to prosper us and enrich us, keep it in the right perspective in our lives so that we know that what's added to us is an add to and it's not the primary thing in our lives huh we seek the kingdom first and how to live right before god he promises to add things to our lives now when does he add them well if you ask that you didn't hear the first part of the conversation <laughs> you know whenever we get a promise from god that says seek first the kingdom and he will add. When? <laughs> you didn't hear me with the first thing I said. Because <laughs> if you ask it when, you didn't hear the first qualifies to seek the kingdom first. Once you do that, you the when won't make any difference to you or you'll know when. Huh? Or you'll know when it's taken care of. You get involved in seeking the kingdom and live in the peace of God and the understanding of how important you are to God, how much he loves you. Huh? We had a conference three days in the power of the love of God. And I mean, God poured out to us, let us know how valuable we are to him. Once you know how valuable you are to somebody, the rest, (laughs) I couldn't even keep a straight face. I get no broke brother in love with you. And don't you get in love with no broke brother. And I'm just going to say that on the side. You know what I'm saying? That's just between us girls and boys is in here. Oh, yeah. I don't love no broke brother. <laughs> I'm really a bottom line kind of girl. You know? <laughs> Everything's got a balance. I know, what's mine? 50, 50, 60, 40, I'll wrestle you for the other 10. You know, whatever. We just, we just keep working it. But, uh, <laughs> but the love of God is the consuming love. You know, you don't feel that way about a human being at all. And once you know God loves you, everything else is straight in your life. I mean, forever. Amen. That's part of seeking the kingdom is understanding how very, very important you are to him. And then everything else is just kind of, you know, collateral stuff after that. We can we can sit it down and quit pursuing so many things once you've found the one that your heart longs for. You know, you just get settled into that. So in Luke 19, and this is after Jesus entered into Jerusalem and people wanted to make him a king, but that's not what he was there for. He says, verse 41, as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, If you, even you, had only known on this day what, what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you, upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. 
They'll dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you or the day of your visitation. Now, Jesus was prophesying against the city of Jerusalem. He had come to them to offer them salvation from their sins. And the day of of uh, of jubilee in the Lord. So when when Jesus comes, the day of your visitation from God includes several things. Number one, it includes restoration of all things that have been lost to you. So you see Jesus going through. They say he went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Why? Because God was with him. So everybody who received him received the day of their visitation such that they were released from their uh, uh, bondages, especially where their physical limitations were concerned. You see him going into the temple, healing people there. On the streets, he healed people there, cast out devils, and he preached the kingdom of God, that there was coming a new opportunity for people. There was coming a new uh, realm of living for people. The old things were being passed away. Everything was becoming new again, and you would get a new lease on life that included this kingdom that he preached about that was not of this world. And therein is the problem. When people are looking for things to help them that pertain to this world only, they miss the day of their visitation. And so Jerusalem was no different than any other city. The Bible says Jesus came to his own, but his own received him not. So they rejected their Messiah, the one that they said they were looking for all of those years. Why did they reject him? Because everybody has a different idea of what the day of visitation of God is all about. And some people don't even think it's real. Some people think it's just something made up or it'll come one day, but it's not important right now because, you know, I got to find somebody to get married to. You understand what I'm saying? We put everything on the back burner and push up to the front burner all these worldly concerns when really if we would push the things of God to the front, then that would take care of everything else that we think we desire in our lives. It's just that simple. And so with believers, it is a constant warfare of what do we put first? Do we put us first? Do we put our families first? Do we put our so-called ministry first? Do we think put the things that we want to do first? Our aspirations, our dreams, our hopes. Well, I've been wanting to get grown so I could do this and do that. Well, get grown first. Huh? This is, this is part of growing up, is understanding the times and seasons, what God is doing, what he expects out of his people. All that is for every believer. It's amazing. Christians always think that stuff is for somebody else. And they sit and wait on a sermon that's going to talk about them personally and what they want out of life. When this is what that's about. This is that. Amen. This is what what God is doing. So in day of visitation, because Jesus wept over Jerusalem, he wept because they did not receive their wholeness. They would not receive their peace. That word peace has to do with 
with more than just being calm all the time. You can get drugs to do that for you. But Jesus' peace refers to nothing missing from your life. Restoration of all things. You know, there are many, many broken people walking around this earth trying to be whole. You see it all the time with people who are caught on drugs. They don't know how to get off drugs. They're trying to fill up a missing hole that only God can fill up for them. But see, you can't tell them that. They've got laws now. If you go into counseling sessions and you try to tell people about Jesus, you get sued. You understand what I'm saying? They're trying to lock people's help. The devil's trying to lock the help that God has for people away from them. That's why you have to be a wise person and be a prayerful person to know how to get these doors of ministry open so you can really help people. Because one touch from God will will take that dope out of your life forever. You know, he'll do it with anything. I can remember uh, I was was praying. I was a new Christian. I was praying with a neighbor of mine. And uh, she was, she, she said, Oh, I'm going to call Elder so-and-so. You know, she's a Pentecostal lady. She's my neighbor downstairs. I didn't know Pentecost from nothing else. You know, she prayed. I'm going to go give me some prayer. And uh, I told him I'd have wanted, I think I wanted to go back to work or something. And um, he said, yes, yeah, sis, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray in the Holy Ghost. And we said, <laughs> okay, whatever you need. That's me. You know, pray me. And so... He prayed, and at the end of the prayer, I felt something on the end of my tongue. And I said to myself, I said, I'm never going to smoke again. And I never smoked again after that. Now, I wasn't looking for no smoking, I was, but it was just that quick. And God knew because right after that, he got me involved in a women's Bible study. And I could just see myself running out of there trying to... You know, I ain't Joyce Meyer. You know, she can do it. I can't. I need to get myself together. And so it, it's things like that that God does just instantly by his power that he'll not only do for me before, because I wasn't asking for it. And I remember telling somebody, was they were uh, in the church in Detroit. They were coming. And they said, Pastor Barb, I still smoke. I said, girl, let me tell you what you do. Uh, this I did. This, I, this isn't how it happened to me. I said, "This is what you do." I said, "You get your cigarette." <laughs> I'm not gonna smoke you again in Jesus' name. I said, "Go light you another one." <laughs> I'm not gonna smoke you again in the name of Jesus. I said, "Keep doing it." I said, "Don't take a puff without telling it you're not gonna do it again." The next week she came in. She wasn't smoking anymore. I just didn't believe that would work, Pastor Bar. I said, that's the power of your faith and your confession. Why sit there and smoke it and enjoy it and let the devil know you enjoy it? Smoke it, enjoy it, and renounce it. Huh? Same thing. All same thing. This how it works. This is how it works. Most of y'all don't believe me, but, you know, hey, hang on. You get something that will grab you in a minute. So anyway, <laughs> Jesus then wept over the city of jerusalem why because he hates for us to miss what he has for us he hates it and so he tried as best he could to get 
uh, the people of Jerusalem to believe in him, and, and this was the day of their visitation. They refused to believe it, and so they had to suffer the consequences, which was their destruction. It came about, I would say about um, 40 years later, but the Romans did destroy the temple at Jerusalem and ran the Jews out of Jerusalem. So things were not well for them because they missed the day that God had set aside for them to receive the revelation of Christ as their Savior and their Messiah. You must receive these things when God has set the time for them. You can't just, you can't keep putting God off and say you're going to get it at a later time. You know, if that's like if somebody went to serve you dinner and they took the steak right off the grill and they say, here, I got it for a while. I don't want that right now. I think what I'm going to go do is go sit back here and watch that and see what y'all do with it. That's what people do with the things of God. That's why they, that's how they miss spiritual things. They always want to sit back and see what, how it's going to affect somebody else before they get involved in it. I'd rather be on the cutting edge of it, right or wrong, in and out, good or bad, powerful or not. As long as I believe God's doing it, I'd rather jump right in it day one than to sit back and wait until it's old and warmed over and everybody else is taking the best parts of it and give you the leftovers. I'm going to say it again. If God is doing something, I prefer being on what they call the cutting edge. I don't use that term. It's overworked and it's not accurate. But I'd rather jump in the pool like the man, the legend had it, that the first one that jumped in the pool got healed. I'd rather be the first one in the pool than to get in there after everybody's tinkled in the water. How's that sound? that wake everybody up? Learn how to to jump on things when God first gives them to you. Learn how to be anxious for the things of God. You know, even though that's a bad word for it, but be excited and expecting and anticipating getting involved with what God's doing. What is God doing? Same thing he's always done. Heal, save, deliver, set free. Preach the gospel, help the poor, all of those things. Be the first one to get involved in that. And then God will show you the blessing that comes with accepting the day of his visitation. Jesus wept over Jerusalem. He did his best, but he couldn't, he couldn't help them because they missed it. There was nothing he could do because they heard the truth and rejected it. And that's what our job is as believers, to go about giving people the truth. And I'm not talking about just warmed over little testimonies. I'm talking about anticipating that God wants us, will put somebody in your midst and you can meet that need according to his glory and his power and his mighty riches. And there are times and seasons when God pours out more. And there are times and seasons when we have to work with what we have by faith. But I believe and I am anticipating that God will pour out more and more and more. Why? Because we need it. You can't talk, you can't program a drug addict out of drugs. You got to use the power of God to get people free. You can't do this, you know, it's been tried already. Every time you look up, they got a new clinic, a new program, a new something 
And those people go in and, and beat the system every time and come back out on drugs again. Sometimes there's drug, more drugs in the program than they are on the outside. Them drug devils is crafty devils. And so you've got to know what you're dealing with and believe that God has power to annihilate that and set people free from it because today is their day of visitation. Today is their day of salvation. When Jesus came, he offered the kingdom, not what you want. Got me? So God is not a goody, goody God all the time. Now, he will bless you for serving him, but he's up to something. He's up to something much bigger than you and much bigger than I. And it's not what we want all the time. The religious always want the status quo. They worship the temple, and they didn't like anybody saying it wasn't going to be there. Why? Because that was their bread and butter. Huh? The Pharisees, they could collect tithes from people. If your your parents were elderly, they had a system where they could set you up and, you know, say, well, just bring your parents, you know, their property, bring the deeds to their property here, and we'll guard over them for you. You got me? The other thing was the sacrifice thing and changing money. They, they got a, a percentage. Say, for instance, if, if you came from Bethlehem and the temple was in Jerusalem, you know every year they had to come there for the passover well they say oh you oh you got bethlehem money oh we got to change that over to jerusalem that's like being in las vegas you know that's how they ran the the temple it's like a crapshoot and we gotta we gotta uh uh change your money over to jerusalem money and when we do that we take like five percent off that and you get a little less than what you get when you come over and so that's why Jesus went through with a whip and threw them out of there because they were stealing money. They made it a den of thieves instead of a house of prayer. You can't have both of them going on at the same time. So that's why many missed their day of their visitation because they didn't like how he did business. It was the end of their little system of ripping people off. Letting people come over and over again. Jesus would walk by and see a woman been in there, bent over for 18 years and couldn't get healed. And they didn't want, they didn't want uh, him healing her either. You got me? They tell her, oh, if you want to get healed, you can't do it on Sunday because we ain't allowed to do no work on Sunday. And then they criticize him because he healed people every day because every day was the day of their visitation and he knew it. And so the religious always want the status quo. They never want change. Tradition never wants change. So they miss the the religious and the traditional miss the day of their visitation because they do not want change. They're afraid of it. The first thing they see in change is what's going to happen to me and the way I get my my money and the way I do things. How how am I going to survive? If any of this ever changes, how am I going to survive and how am I going to make it? So God will upset things in days of visitation to the point that those people who are benefiting from the system and the status quo will be totally upset about it and will tend to fight what it is that God's doing. This is exactly what happened to Jesus. The Bible says, for envy. The Pharisees watched him everywhere that he went. 
trying to trip him up according to their old Jewish law. But Jesus was operating in a grace ministry. So grace actually came before the law. And Jesus demonstrated that and taught that everywhere that he went. That's why the Syrophoenician woman could get a healing and her daughter and the Pharisees struggled. They, if they couldn't come at night and get something, they didn't get it because they didn't want to be seen coming up to Jesus asking for anything. And we have the same thing in every move of God. There are people who like things the way they are. They don't want them to change because this is how they make their living. This is their livelihood. It's like we've got the, the people that we look up to as ministers have to be on television. You don't get a large following or anything like that unless you can afford that TV airtime. Well, God will come along and use somebody who's not on television. And then when people come there and to get their needs met, they don't, they don't receive it or it's hard for them to receive it or hear from God. And God will say, well, I want you to go to so-and-so's meeting because that's where I'm going to meet you. They don't want to do it. Well, how come I can't go to Benny Hinn? Well, how come I can't go go somebody whose name is familiar to them? Because they just want to feel comfortable in the way God is doing things. And I'm telling you that God never does things according to man's comfort. He does them according to man's discomfort. Because if he could do it according to our comfort, we'd have a move of God already. We'd have things done already. But we don't have it because God is trying to stir us up and move things out of the way so that he can have more of our time more of our understanding, more of our attention, more of our energy, the energy that we spend going from job to job and trying to make it and all this kind of stuff. I mean, that's all good, but don't ever think you can't stop in your process and do something that God tells you to do. Most of us, if he told us to stop what we're doing now and go for three months to another city or something to work for him, we'd have a little stroke. Oh, this couldn't be God. He told me to do this. He told me to do Huh? That's why you can't get a lot of work done. Laborers are few. But I'm telling you, people are going to have to labor or they're going to have to be left out. Because God is looking for people who can understand what he's saying, understand what he's doing, and accept it and get on board with it. That's all he needs is people to accept what he's doing and get on board with it. So the religious don't want change. They worship the temple and they like the status quo. The Bible says that he went to his own, but his own did not receive him, but strangers did. Jesus often ate with publicans and sinners, the nobodies and the know-nothings and the do-nothings of society, because they would listen to him. He was accepted by them. Why? They weren't invested in the system. Anybody who's not invested in the system will be open to hear what God is saying in the new thing that he's doing in the earth. That's why many times some of you thought about going to somebody else's church. This is the hot church in the city. And and some grabbed you and said, no, I'm not going over there because you know what I'm saying. You already can see through it. You know what God's called you to do. And you know what you're supposed to be doing with your life. But then there are some that do. They run off into the next hot thing and the next new thing that's coming along. 
Why? Because they don't understand how to learn by the Spirit. They don't understand how to hear by the Spirit. They just go along with the prince of the power of the air, what he's telling you and what he says is important and who the important people are. And they're all trying to find something to do other than preaching the gospel. They start reality shows and all this other kind of stuff. And then left the flock and everybody didn't drop what they're doing and running off there. You understand what I'm saying? And see, these are our stumbling blocks. All of these people, all of the, the people that we look up to and admire. If you get too close to them, it can be a stumbling block to you if you don't keep focused on what God's telling you, what he's been telling you, and learn how to be consistent in it and learn how to be faithful in it. And don't run off following the first next great thing. You know, people who collect prophecies from everybody make me nervous. Because God's not leading you to read everybody's prophecy. Not everybody gets their prophecies from God. They borrow a lot off each other. You understand? When you're called of God, he gives you a message. Not just, not just a ministry, but he gives you a message. You look at the great ones that, that, that stayed faithful to God. Brother Hagin, everybody knows his message. Brother Cirillo, you know his message. Brother Copeland, you know his message. But you don't know everybody else's message because they never got one. Well, the rest of y'all don't have to believe it. I'll talk to the ones who do believe. So I started preaching 15 years ago, y'all watch too much Christian television. And see, we feel comfortable because we got, well, at least I'm not watching him. Don't miss this, okay? Don't miss. Some of you were born here. Your parents have invested a lot of time in this ministry, a lot of prayer over your lives for you to stay consistent with God. Don't let the fact that, you know, you finished school and you got a little job and all this kind of stuff keep you caught up in that. Get your feet back on the ground and understand what you're doing here in this earth. You're here for God's purposes. Amen. That job... That job is just a place for you to reap your harvest off of what you're really here for. You're really here to change lives with the power of God. You're not here to to uh, just go from job to job and all. And that's wonderful. If you got a job, keep your job. But I'm saying, don't have your whole self invested in that. Understand what you're really here for. So Jesus offers them the kingdom in John 1:11. We said that He came to His own. His own received him not, but to those who received him, to them he gave power to become sons of God. They rejected him because they did not think that he was the one that was prophesied about. Now, if you read the Bible, almost every book, in fact, every book of the Bible, does point to Jesus in some way. So all they had to do was listen to what he preached and look for God to manifest and confirm it with signs following. It's very simple how to, to understand what God's doing. 
But instead of doing that, they were all caught up in their idea of what Messiah was going to be. And it all had nothing had to do with them and their sinful condition. And him fixing them as sinful people. It all had to do with who's going to sit at your right hand and who's going to sit at your left hand. What position am I going to have in this kingdom you're talking about? Oh, I'll be so glad because the Romans are treating us bad. And boy, I'm going to go up to Caesar and just stab him or something, you know, when you take over. And so everybody's got some carnal idea about what God is up to. And I'm telling you, the carnality is not going to work. He's never up to anything that has to do totally with the natural realm. There is a lot of spiritual truth in what he's doing, but it's never just having to do totally with the natural. Why? Uh, What's down here ain't going to be here one day. So God would never invest heavily in something that he's going to do away with. But he invests in things that are eternal. Many of the people in Jesus' day thought he was out of order. It's a big thing with religious people and with Pharisees. I can't tell you the people that told me, came up to me, wanted to prophesy to me that my husband was going to, oh, your husband's going to serve God at your side. And I want to say, shut up. I didn't talk to God about that already. You kidding me? I talked about that. You should have caught me 15 years ago before I spoke to God about what my husband was supposed to do. Never preached in a pulpit a day in his life. Hello? Giving you them cookie cutter prophecies they give to everybody. Oh, oh! if you're called, your spouse is called. Called what? I know they name. <laughs> People try to feed you anything. God told me one time, he said, unless they come up to you. And you can discern the spirit of prophecy on them. Don't receive from them. Oh, this makes it real easy. So if some guy came up to me and he said, I got to I said, no, you don't. Yes, I do. Nope. Spirit of prophecy is not on you. And he said, what do you mean? I said, that. You don't know what you're doing. Punk. I got shoes older than you. And they can tell me more than you can. Like, I'm going to hurt you or I'm going to be your friend today. Anywho, uh, but uh, where was I? You have to know what's going on. You have to be attentive. Many times you can look in the natural realm and see what's going on in the realm of the spirit if you will ask god to interpret natural events for you for instance we said enemies are of the visitation of god are tradition religion and selfish expectation many people want god to move but it has to be in their city you hear these prophecies, people say, oh, God told me he's going he's gonna to use this city to move. I said, that's wonderful. I'm believing he's going to use this one too. Why would he just go one place if people are asking God to move everywhere? 
If he can move from one place, he can move to. In fact, I think God would like to move more than one place, to be honest with you. So that selfish expectation will cause people to miss the move of God. So many people get so stuck on him moving in one place. He can be moving over here and they swear it ain't God. You see how the devil keeps them blinded? Many stumble at the stumbling stone. And this is the thing that, that is unique about moves of God. God will always throw something in the game to confound the wisdom of carnal thinking. He will always put something in there that doesn't line up with people's expectations, and that's the stumbling stone. So if you are not, if you're not a discerning person and you don't know how to talk to God, and now God tell me, is this you or if this ain't you? That's all you got to do, and want to know the truth. And then when you find the truth, you need to want to act on it, not just collect facts. God will answer any sincere inquiry about what's going on in the earth. When Azusa Street broke out. Now, uh, William Seymour, we all know the story about Daddy Seymour. But he started out in Topeka, Kansas at the meeting of a man by the name of Charles Parham. Charles Parham was getting people baptized in the Holy Spirit. It was a new thing then. And they were looking for power from on high. Before, they didn't know if you, you could still get the gift if God was pouring out. So this was the, the beginnings of the outpour of God in this area. Topeka, Kansas was on the border of segregation. Most, it, was, it was south but not Midwest. And so there were many, many prejudices, and especially in churches. Why? Because in churches, people had more of a family-type situation, just like you're supposed to have in a church. And because of that, people preferred to keep churches segregated so that they didn't have to cross that line. You know, you grow up Christians, you know, so your, your kid might like somebody in the church and decide they well, we don't go have that if you you don't want the races mixed up. And this is what they did. It's very common. And so in that church they did not allow blacks to come in and mix in the congregation. But the Charles Parham told Brother Seymour, he said, Now uh, we can't let you come in, brother, but you're welcome to sit out here on the steps. And so he sat on the steps But in sitting on the steps, he got more than the people. Because you didn't hear nothing more about them. But you heard about him. See, God will, amen, God will respond to any earnest heart requesting. And so while Charles Parham started that movement, he never got the credit Brother Seymour did because Brother Seymour took it to heart and did something extraordinary with it. And so Brother uh, Seymour heard about, he was invited to go out to Los Angeles, and you all know the story. He was, uh, first they were at a home of, of one lady, and, and they said there were so many people in her home that they were constantly out in the streets being drawn by nothing more than the power of god when people want god they know how to find the spirit and follow the spirit to get there and so they had finally to move it from her home 
over to uh, another home, and then finally they found an abandoned stable on Azusa Street, and that is where people would come in continually to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And with it, now this was a true Pentecostal experience. Most of what we receive now is received in increments. People receive an outpouring of the Spirit, pray in tongues a little bit, but they're not given over totally to it. And that's how we minister. We can minister. We can only minister what our proportion of faith will and what their proportion of faith will receive. But in these moves of God and these outpourings, people receive the full Pentecostal experience. And that is they go out and do what they did in the book of Acts. These people actually become empowered and energized by the Holy Spirit to go out and win souls and, and cause people to come to Christ with extreme power. Not just for one thing here and one thing there. You know, we wish we could get it all. But we'll get there. And so when God starts restoring, he will start restoring through whomever is willing and available and will pay the price and stay before God until they get it. And people who will bore people to death by talking about it all the time, like myself. I don't care if y'all bored or not. I'm going to keep talking it until it happens. You understand? Because I know that's how it happens. See, people come to church now and they want to know, when's God going to bless me? This is the blessing. You get this, you don't need another prophecy. You get this, you can go, you can go in the bank when nobody else can get in the door. Y'all don't think that will happen, do you? God can do anything. Some of his kids start asking for money, he can find you some. So God wants to, God moves according to the counsel of his own will. What his, the image he has in his mind is what he goes by. When people are looking for move of God, they're looking for what's in their mind about what God is going to do. Some people don't pray enough to get an idea of what might happen in a move of God. But I highly suggest you do. And ask God, what is your part in it? Because God, you belong to God and he has a part for all of us to play in the end time harvest of souls. And he wants to empower everybody to go out and work for him. And work. But you know what he's got to do first? First he's got to get us convinced that it's worth it for him to work, for us to work for him. That's why he keeps telling us how much he loves us. And that we're his bride and he's beginning to elevate us and build us up and help us to know our worth and our value. When God starts doing that, he's buttering you up for something. You got me? And so we have to understand that a people who know they are loved are unstoppable. Because that will cause you to carry the power of God without stumbling and without problems. What, what keeps us from going forward is being concerned about us. When am I going to get this? When am I going to get that? Once you know you're loved, you don't have to worry about that. You understand what I'm saying? When you know that you know that you know. You don't, you're not as concerned about what about me. Because you're taken care of and you know you're taken care of. Jesus, they stumbled at Jesus because he was not a part of the system of the temple. 
he was he was rumored to be illegitimate it was very widely known that his mother uh was not they had she hadn't married he was born before she and joseph got married so that part he didn't qualify there were so many ways jesus was disqualified from being the messiah and the people who looked at the laws do's and the don'ts couldn't understand how god could use somebody like him just like we do now there's so many people that think if you're a woman, God can't. You can't be in charge of your own ministry. You can't do this. You can't do that. All these can'ts. And so once they start adding up your resume and you come up deficient in their eyes, then they X you out as somebody that God would use and somebody be what, even though the signs of, of God's power are on you and evident in your life, they still don't think you're the real thing. It's called the stumbling stone. And there are many stumbling stones that God places in the earth so that he can get his work done. You know what the stumbling block does? It keeps the riffraff out of the program. It keeps the hangers on who just want something for them out of the mix. So the stumbling stone is something that if you're discerning and you're watchful, you'll watch it and watch and see what God says about it instead of making up your own mind about it and kicking it out of the way and going on accepting something false. It happens to people all the time. In the natural realm, we've had uh, uh, something that prophets have been watching for some time happen in our nation in our last election. Many people look at Donald Trump, oh, he's no good. The first thing that comes out of people's mouths about him is something negative. And, and people have been set up in this country to say negative things about him. Amen. Because of the prince of the power of the air. He's already set it up. That it, well, any conservative, any Republican, anybody in that line is no good. And let's go get Obama and make him run for a third term. You know, they keep wanting the status quo. They keep holding on to what's familiar. Even the country, even though the country's broke and broker, we're not in any better shape. Anything like that has happened good in the last eight years. So what we have found out recently, in addition to the prince of the power of the air putting his spin on everything that's going on, we found out that the leaders in all the nations of the earth are involved in a world one world government plan. And they don't care about the everyday citizen. They don't care about you and me. We have been sold out already. And you're going to find out more about it later. But all of these people who they call globalists, that's why they take down the walls in all of these countries. Where people could just run from country to country. The European Union was formed to put no borders whatsoever in every country in the world. So now the people that are fleeing in all of these countries happen to be people who hate the people who live there already. And this is something they never expected to happen. Now you've got small wars breaking out. You've got terrorists going freely from border to border to border. And it's problems everywhere. And listen, it's always going to be problems when man runs stuff. 
And when they make their own plan, and there's selfish people involved who just want to take, take, take. Wealthy people never have too much money. Huh? Powerful people never have too much power. They're always they're always invested in something else. Maybe their heart's not in it, so many of them as much as others. But there's always greed to want more of the same thing that they have. And so God looked at this and decided to use Donald Trump as the stumbling stone to come in and change things. Now, you've got to understand that this is the day of Amos 3-7. God will do nothing except he reveal his secret to his servants, the prophets. But when that man decided he was running and the hell that broke out against him, I stood back and I said, let God not let me find out from you what's going on. Because if I wasn't mistaken, this their reaction to this man is like he's carrying some power from you. Because the devil don't fight nothing that can't hurt him. You understand me? And so... Like him or not, and I know some of y'all are dyed in the wool Democrats. You better be dyed in the wool Christians first. You understand me? You can't afford you can't afford to side up with a party. And the minute the Republicans start promoting abortion, I'm done with them too. You understand what I'm saying? You have to look at what people speak and what they believe. Because if you sit up and, and agree with them, that little check you put when you go vote. That's your prayer of agreement with what they believe and what they think and what they promote. And you got to watch yourself in these things because you're going to wind up on the wrong side of God if you keep we keep doing this stuff. You know, black people like seeing black people in power, whether they do good or not. You understand what I'm saying? White people the same. We all want to see somebody look just like us, making all the rules and doing all the stuff. And so we all got prejudices and hang-ups. And God's after them. He's after your little color preference. He's after your little likes. Why do he talk about the black man all the time? I don't know. But, you know, you better check that brother out and see what he's doing for real. You understand what I'm saying? And whites, too. They've done as much nonsense as black people have. So just, just get it straight. Don't get it twisted. But God is on the side of righteousness. You know what righteousness is? Righteousness is right thinking, right intention toward people, the good that you can do for people. Give people their power back. Quit taking it away from them. I found a a quotation from a man by the name of Thomas Sowell. He's about, about 86 years old now. Uh, and he's a, a black gentleman. He's an economist, and he writes for he's he has these, you know how people get to be big thinkers, and somebody will pay him just to sit and write. Well, he does that kind of stuff. He's a fellow somewhere at somebody's institute or some economics institute, and he had a quotation. He said, he said the welfare state is the the oldest con game in the world. He said they take your money from you quietly. And give it back to you flamboyantly. Oh, we got a new we got a we got a new bill coming out where you get a cell phone and a puppy, and my brother puts you in your own business. 
<laughs> right, Sister McKinney, where's your right? My brother Ali. <laughs> huh? Might as well be cell phone a puppy in your own business. And so in in what it costs you though in your freedom in your tax dollars is enormous compared to what you get as a result of these government programs. Sick of them. Because they the, the common people never get the money for it. I remember that when I worked in these little uh, school work programs they used to have. You know, if your family was poverty level family, you know, they get you a little job in school and you got something like, I don't know, four or five dollars an hour. But the administrator, you know, they pick some of the teachers or some of the principals in the school and make them administrators. Well, they got another $40,000 added to their paycheck. And the guy in charge got even more. You see what I'm saying? So by the time you, as a normal person who needs it, gets it, there's not much left to it. But yet they want us to go keep voting them in, keep voting them in, keep sending them there. Keep you get broker and broker and broker. Just go find you a job. Forget the government. Say, just leave me alone. <laughs> just leave me alone. Reagan said years ago, government is the problem. And I heard him say that. I said, what is he talking about? He works for the government. Now I understand. It might take you a lot of years for it to sink in, but you stand in the way of everything. And see, this is how the communists get a grip on people. This is how the totalitarians get a grip on people. They start by programming through the prince of the power of the air. They program your thinking. Yeah. You can't even say you don't like homosexuality. Huh? You can't say you don't want little boys who think they're girls today coming in the bathroom with your your daughter. Huh? Thank God that was thrown out and giving it back to the state. Now it's the governor's problems. Before, they liked, it, they liked the federal government doing it because they didn't have to take the heat for making the decision. You take the heat for making the decision now. But see, now we've got very, very small minorities of people dictating to the majority of people, or so they think. Several prophets prophesied about Donald Trump being chosen by God to be president of the United States. And see... Liberal people don't like it. Homosexuals don't like it. So that's why they're out in the street. Plus, they're paid for these protests. You know, that's why they're out in the street talking about their private parts and all that kind of Women's Day. You know, what did they have? Uh, no women or something on that day or the Day of the Woman? Yeah, we don't do nothing. Yeah, you know, right? Women going on strike or something like that. I heard some men making cracks about it. It's amazing what men really think. But I knew they were scared to say it. You could tell. <laughs> but we are living in the age of the Amos 3-7. And that is to be discerning for the voice of the prophets of God. Because the Bible says God will do nothing except he reveal his secret to his servants, the prophets. 
So you have to not only discern their voice, but who's accurate, who's hearing from God, who's not hearing from God. Now, I'd rather hear an accurate prophecy regarding things that have to do with the wide area of influence than about my little personal life. You got me? Much rather hear that. Because I know God's concerned about everybody. He's not, because He already told me that I can ask what I will. If my word abides in you, I've got my rules already. You understand what I'm saying? Now, there are times when I might have a petition before God. I want to hear from Him or something like that. And He'll let me know. If He wants to use the prophet, that's fine with me. But I'm not out there hanging on every word from somebody for something personal for me. You understand me? I know I'm taken care of already. I don't need to hear that all the time. But we are living in the Amos 3-7 day. God is revealing whoever is that would uh, come up here, honey. Let me get that off of you. We're living in that day when he's revealing his secrets to his tone. Can you get behind her? Stop, stop where you are. Praise God. Amen, 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 amen. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Now, Satan, I break his law as well as the Amos 9.13. But God is revealing secrets to his servants, the prophets. And so the necessity of the prophet's ministry is not going to decrease. It's going to increase. And we're going to see a fading back into the woodwork of prophets that only give personal prophecy because you can get that from the word you read your bible and find out what god has for you now there are times when you need to have it nailed down and specific but how many times do you need god to tell you he's going to get you a new house he's going to get you a new car or he's going to get you a man or a woman whatever you whatever you'll prefer so these are things that and i believe god allows that number one prophets need to exercise their gifts they need to train it trained to hear from god part of that's training the other part of it is to edify the body of christ at least to clear up the the noise that the devil gives you that he god doesn't love you and won't do anything for you and so but that's a basic understanding of the goodness of god we need to then put ourselves in in the 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 uh, worldwide or see ourselves from a world perspective is what is our place and what is the place of our gift in the world one of the things that i've noticed about uh, many of the prophets that prophesy to people now keep it on the blessing level and not they don't zero in and tell that person what it is inside of them that God can use for his glory. And so that level of prophecy has to be released into the body of Christ yet, wholesale and worldwide. Now, some prophets focus on that. I focus more on who you are, what's in you, what good it is to God, and what you need to do about it. Because I think that's essential to what what God is doing. And also, it increases your worth and value. Because I think if you understand 
What is it about me that makes me think this, 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 and this? Well, God wants to tell you. He wants to answer those questions for you and put you in your proper place in the body of Christ so you know how to function in your gift and your calling. And so if if we can get the body of Christ fully fitted, fully equipped to do every good work, then we will have success in everything God wants us to do. So prophecy has to cover a wide range of information that comes to the body of Christ. But we also need to keep our bearings in the world so that we can counter the plans of the enemy to keep us from going forward and doing what God has us to do. And some of these prophecies that have to do with world events help the body of Christ to discern what God is doing here and what he's doing there. If you don't know about it, you don't agree with it, at least don't mess with it. Don't speak against it. Keep your mouth shut. Look, wait and see and be be open to see what God will reveal to you because he wants you to be settled in knowing what he's doing and knowing the truth. So you can be on the right side of things. You don't want to be on the wrong side of things. You want to be on God's side at all times. So it's an exciting time for people who love God. And it's an exciting time for people who pray. And people who believe in the prayers that they pray. This is going to be a hard time for traditional people. And when I say tradition, people just want to come to church when they want to. Always looking for an excuse not to pray. Always looking for an excuse because they only want to give God a certain portion of who they are. Got to reserve some for them. So those are the selfish ambition people who never get satisfied with anything. Because that thing will never get satisfied. But if you can on one day just make up your mind to renounce that and say, God, let me get involved in whatever you got going on down here. No stops, no, and not when I get what I want, not when I get my job, that I, my dream job, not when I get married and have my kids and they get grown and then I'll serve you. Because if you put it off for one day, you can put it off for 20,000 20, days, you see. You'll never say yes to God looking at what you prefer to be doing instead of doing what he wants you to do first. So the people who have are all in for God, they don't care about if they get married. If they Listen, I've been married before. I was married almost 30 years. I know what it's like. Now, it might get new and exciting <laughs> every 10 years. <laughs> no, I'm messing with y'all. But you know what I'm saying. There are few, very few things, but I have not seen the glory of God that caused sweeps across humanity to win souls. I haven't seen the woman who's standing at the kitchen counter and half of her neighborhood is standing outside of her window wanting God. That I haven't seen yet. So that's what I'm holding out for. Amen. I'm holding out for that kind of excitement. Huh? Praise the Lord. <laughs> so we don't have to know what God's doing. Just believe it and allow God to reveal to you what is truth. You don't have to make any big investment in God. You don't have to make any big investment in faith. But just be open to know what God is doing and want to be a part of it. Amen? Churchgoers, those are the people that just go when they want to. They have no idea of what prophecy is regarding the work of the church and the end of the age. And they're not interested in it. 
they're just interested in showing up in the traditional manner. You know, let's go in, let's pay our they, to them deep is tithing. You know what I'm saying? And, and giving a little bit on the side, that's deep to them. And don't want to do that. You understand what I'm saying? Because in the summertime, the tithers go on vacation. Why do they go on vacation in the summertime? They take that money and go spend it at a resort somewhere. They ain't fooling nobody. So, they, you know, to them, but they're deep. If you ask them, they're real deep. They got all the books and all the things. Amen. There are the headliners. The well-known and prominent people who feel they are supposed to lead the move of God because all their friends tell them they're supposed to. They get around in their little pastor conclaves and prophesy to each other. Huh? You know, God, I'm, seeing, I'm seeing God all over you, brother, to lead this thing. We're going to vote you in. huh? Well, you can do that, but if God didn't vote him in, he ain't in. You understand what I'm saying? Huh? And it is the faithful. Then, then the other group is the faithful. And those who delight in the Lord's appearing. They could care less what God's doing as long as they're a part of it. You got me? They don't dictate to God who to use. They don't have any hang-ups about who not to use. They just want to be in it if God's doing it. So Jesus sums up really the people in the two groups in Matthew 25, 2. He talks about the wise virgins and the foolish ones. Make sure you're wise. Keep your lamp filled with oil and the wick trimmed. You know what the wick is? The stuff that's no good anymore, that won't burn anymore. Stuff that's been burnt off. In other words, if you know God's not leading you to start a business, trim that wick off. You understand? You've been burning that thing for the longest time. Just trim it off. And get down to the fresh part so God can use what's left of you to burn for him. That's all he wants you to do. Stay filled with the spirit. Pray with your prayer. When your prayer partner calls, some of you don't even call each other anymore. And I feel bad for you. You've been doing it for many, many years now. Because you still don't believe. You don't believe that you're really involved in a prayer ministry. You just think it's something them fanatic people in this. Uh, Miss Nola, she, she always praying for somebody. You know, he don't want to be like her. Pastor Bobby, he don't want to be like her. Mm-hmm. Y'all like Pastor Shirley, but you don't want to be like her. You want her to pray for you. So y'all stay on her good side. But in your heart, what do you want to do? It's time to woman up, man up, whatever. But quit playing. You understand? Quit playing with God. Quit playing around with these things. Well, my my prayer partner don't call me. You call him. Pursue him like you do something you really want. Ooh, it's quiet in here. See, this is what I mean by wisdom versus foolishness. See, it's no good... To have an assignment over ministry and think you're not part of that. How did you not get to be part of that? How'd you get exempt? Who told you you didn't have to pray? You hear, you have to. You have to. Or it's counted against you. I'm going to tell you one thing. I can take my mama against me, my daddy against me, everybody in the family, but I can't take God against me. 
I'm warning you, you can't hold up under that. And if you think that you came up in this ministry and you know spiritual things and you're not being held accountable to continue to do them, I got another thought for you too. You're being held accountable. Now it's time to take the kid gloves off. I'm going bare knuckle with you, brothers and sisters, because you, you need to know the truth. And you know I'm not one of the, I'll warn you all the time. And I'll try to jack you all around and try to make you nervous and scary all the time. But I'm warning you. The time for playing around with these things is over. All you've done is you've allowed the prince of the power of the air to discourage your mind so that you think now more about escaping responsibility in God than receiving more of it. That's why y'all can't get here on time. Huh? Everybody praying for a husband. Good husbands come to church on time. They don't come late. Ooh, it's quiet. You don't you don't want a brother that comes to church late because you don't know where he'd been before he came here. I'm going to stop. No, I ain't. How many moments? <laughs> no. Huh? But, you know, uh, God doesn't use people who just... And I'm telling you, you want to be used by God. You don't want to be used by the devil. Huh? You don't want to get to the point where you can't get a healing. Huh? Hmm. Had a family in the church some years ago. And later on, they left. And later... About 10 years later, I hear that heard that the wife had died. Suddenly, just had a headache and a stroke, went into a coma, boom, gone. And the Lord told me when they left, he said, they're going to miss having me as their healer and as their deliverer. He tells me about that by everybody who leaves here. I don't rush and tell them that. But you know what? If you're crazy enough to think you're not going to miss any, if you think the church where God assigned you, you can leave that and go someplace and make yourself fit, you've got another thought coming. You got me? And I don't tell people that. You know, I don't, I don't try to scare people to stay anywhere. But the truth is the truth. Many times people think that what they get is so small they can get it anywhere. And it's just not true. God makes assignments for a reason. He sees down the road what kind of trouble you're going to run into. He makes provision for it if you'll stay obedient to him. But if you're always looking where the grass is greener, you're always trying to figure a way out of responsibility in God, you're going to miss it. You're going to miss the day of your visitation. But my prayer is that you won't miss it. You don't have to miss it. You can stay faithful to God. You can do more for God. Forget about these things. You know, people, you have opportunities all the time. Christians always have great opportunities to make money, to start businesses, to do all kinds of things. But you've got to find out the thing that God wants for you at this point in your life. And stay with that. Just stay and be faithful where you're at. Quit running from your prayer partner. Huh? My goodness, the prayer is so easy. All you've got to do is get up and read them. Ain't nobody asking you to think or nothing. Just 
You read them, they pray in tongues, and you and you don't want to do that. Oh, you got excuse for why you can't do that. You start doing that, you won't have to be bugging Pastor Shirley to pray for you all the time, huh? You won't have to be bugging nobody. You can start praying for somebody else. A little lazy selves. All right, I didn't beat y'all up, so hmm. All right, Father, we thank you for your word for understanding. Wow.